Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday, the 30th of April, and we are brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, allow you to go online, change your location, access American Netflix, access Peacock if you can get hold of an American credit card. Also, keeps your data safe online. LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, uh, two games last night in the Europa League, Manchester United 6, Roma 2. Um, even first half, Roma went in 2-1 up. United had gone ahead through Bruno Fernandes. Roma's team seemed to physically fall apart in the first half. They had to replace three players through injury. But Lorenzo Pellegrino, uh, Pellegrini with a, a penalty and Eden Zeko on the 33rd minute. They made it 2-1, and that's how it went in at half time. United looked in trouble, it has to be said, but in the second half, they absolutely walloped them. Five goals, two from Cavani, a second from Bruno, one from Pogba, and then Mason Greenwood with the cherry on top of the cake. United dominated the game. It must be said, they dominated the game in terms of possession and opportunity. But the first half was very even. Unfortunately for Roma, they've got little chance of beating United 4-0 in the, in the return leg. Roma have been desperate domestically of late, but this is still a very good win for United. It's a good performance. And obviously they're getting goals from attacking players, which is important for them as they approach the run-in in this and the Premier League. In the other game, Arsenal went to Villarreal and came away with a 2-1 defeat. They went 1-0 down, uh, Manu scoring after five minutes. Raul Albiol made it two after 29. And Arsenal looked in major trouble at that point. They looked in even more trouble when Danny Ceballos was sent off in on the 57th minute for a second bookable offence. Foolish, foolish challenges he was making in midfield. He just looked completely out of his depth and outrun. Nicolas Pepe pulled one back with a penalty on 73. And then Etuan Kapue, former Tottenham and Watford midfielder, he was sent off on the 80th minute for a second bookable offence. So that's a really well-balanced tie. United would feel favourites against either team in the final. However, Unai Emery in the Europa League is just really really good 
won it three times with Sevilla, got to the final with an average Arsenal team. If they get through, they will cause United problems in the final, but I do think you have to make United the favourites for the competition. You also have to factor in now we could get both major European trophies heading to Manchester this summer. So it'll be a massive thing for the city. Such a shame there won't be fans there to see it, but a huge accomplishment. If, if, you, if City finish first, United finish second, and the pair of them win the um, the European trophies, plus City won the League Cup, it will only be the FA Cup that escaped Man- uh, Manchester this season. So, you know, dominance from the two teams there. Um, I, I, I think you have to make United strong favourites to win it. I really do think you have to make them strong favourites to win it. They've got a lot of firepower with Bruno, with Mar- uh, Marcus Rashford, with Mason Greenwood, with Cavani. If Martial is back, it doesn't look likely, but if he's back, he obviously adds to that as well. Donny van de Beek, though we haven't seen it for United, is capable of scoring a lot of goals. Pogba can get goals. It makes up for some of the, the frailties further back that they have, that they've got that firepower. Um, Right, so that's enough of that. Europa League is what it is. We will move on to the Premier League this weekend. There's a full slate of 10 games starting tonight. We have one tonight. We have four tomorrow, three Sunday, and then two on Monday. And I am joined to preview these games, as always, by Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? Well, football's back, so that's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> we've got a ball. Liverpool got a boring game on Sunday, but anywho, we'll skip over that in a few minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, first one tonight on Friday. This one's on Sky. It's uh, struggling Southampton against mm, top four concrete. Top four now, Leicester, or still a bit. Getting getting close, I think, to concrete. Getting close to concrete. Um, They are seven points clear of West Ham with five games left. I think a win here to maintain that seven-point gap with four games left, I think you'd have to fancy them um, to pick up enough points across the the remaining, remaining four, especially they've got Newcastle after this one. So Leicester come into this game off back-to-back wins over West Brom and Crystal Palace. That followed back-to-back defeats to Manchester City and Leicester. Their form has, and West Ham rather, their form has been a little bit iffy of late. Three defeats in their last seven games. Won't be what Brendan Rodgers was hoping for. But they had the distraction of the FA Cup, so that may have factored in there for them. They've had some injuries, and obviously this weekend... They will be without James Justin, Harvey Barnes, both of them ruled out for the season. And Wes Morgan, who I don't think we've seen him since about January. Uh, He has a a back injury. I would imagine we may not see Wes Morgan play again for Leicester. I think he'll be off in the summer, either to retirement or just to go and finish out his career elsewhere. They face the Southampton team that are... I mean, to call them awful would be to give them a bit too much praise. Um, in their last, what are we, last fifth, last 16 games? Last 15 games. Last 15 games, they've won two. Oof. They've won two and drawn one. They've taken seven points from a potential 45. Now, bear in mind that prior to that run, 
they were sixth. So they were in the European spots. They'd just beaten Liverpool 1-0 at home. Everything looked rosy. And then they fell apart. They lost six in a row, including that defeat to Manchester United. Then they drew with Chelsea. Then they lost a couple more. Then they beat Sheffield United. I'm not really sure if that counts as a win. Uh, then they won- they lost a couple more. Then they beat Burnley. Now, remember, they were 2-0 down at home to Burnley. And Burnley sort of threw the game away. Uh, but they've lost back-to-back games against West Brom and Tottenham. I don't really give them much chance going into this game. Uh, they'll be without Obafemi, Ryan Bertrand, Danny Ings, Ariel Romeo, and Will Smallbone. So that's, you know, that's their, their only real left back. Their only true number nine reliable source of goals. Because Che Adams is more sort of that nine and a half, play, can, can play instead of Ings, but is best just off Ings. Romeo obviously was a big part of their midfield. Um, it's a lot to try and overcome. I think you have to go with Leicester in this one. I'd say, I'd say Leicester three one. Yeah, I think Leicester. I mean, they've got probably the form player of the Premier League in Indianapolis as well, haven't they? So See, that's exactly the thing. He is in. He is in incredible form at the moment. Never thought you'd say and... that, would you? <laughs> No, it was certainly not over the last couple of years. Like it, it looked more likely that he would be sold on to France or Germany or somewhere, and he'd go on and have a good career for mid-table clubs. But the way he's playing right now, he he's going to be a massive part of Leicester's future. The lucky man that he's back in next place. That's the way he's playing. Uh, but um, yeah, I think. I mean, whilst we're on Southampton, you mentioned... I mean, they were top of the table at one point. Um, they were. One Friday night, they won yeah. and uh, and ended up finishing uh, that night uh, top. I think that was the... Was that week eight? I think that was week Something eight. And by like the that. end of the weekend, they ended up fourth. But they were still in the top four. They finished three weeks of this season in the top four. Mm. They finished eight weeks of the season in the top six. So, like, that's almost a quarter of the season, just shy of a quarter of the season, Mm. that they were in the top six. And now they're 14th. And the only thing really holding them up is how poor the teams below them have Mm. been. But, you know, they're 15th now. They're only two points clear of Brighton. If the season was a bit longer, they'd probably be favourites to go down. I I think so. Mm. I think so. I think if there was another 10 games, you'd be looking at them potentially going down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what what do you think is down? Because I think we're both fans of Ralph, but yeah, the squad deficiencies. It's obviously probably the smallest squad in the league. Like even Sheffield United's probably got more options in most positions. But you mentioned there, Bertrand's injured. That means Salas is probably going to play left back. Um, but the squad's got talented players. But is it just the squad's that small? They can't sustain Ralph's football for a season because it is very physically demanded. Obviously. I think that's exactly it. When you look at their squad, right, they've got they've got three goalkeepers, so that's fine. Um, two of them are like Fraser Forster and Alex McCarthy. Don't know a lot about Harry Lewis. He's a younger goalkeeper. Um, their defence, though, they, they only have six senior defenders at the club. They've got four centre-backs, Bednarak, Vestergaard, Salisu and Stevens. So as a group, that's quite good. Now, I'm not a big fan of Vestergaard, and I think mm. he has been badly exposed in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. People were hyping him up, if you remember, early in the year. 
Um, but I think he's been shown for what he is. Um, but they've only got one left back. That's Ryan Bertrand. He's also had a contract this summer, as far as I'm aware. Now, he may have signed a new deal this year. Um, but they've only got one right back as well in Kyle Walker-Peters. So when either of those are out, you're either pulling a midfielder or you're putting a, a centre-back out of position. So there's the deficiency. You need two new full-backs to come in, even as just challenging players to those two that start. Then they've got nine midfielders. Like, you don't need nine midfielders. You really don't need but nine. Only, only, got six only three of them are actually central midfielders, though. Yeah, they've got Ariel Romeo. Um, Diallo and Ward-Prowse. Diallo and Ward-Prowse. And, and Ward-Prowse isn't really a centre midfielder. He's just sort of been moved there over the last couple of years. He's naturally more of a wide player. Uh, Stuart Armstrong can play in midfield if you need him to. But you're right. You've, you've only got three for those two deeper positions. And then you've got six for the two more advanced positions. In Redmond, Genepo, Armstrong, Minamino. Now, Will Smallbone, I suppose, could be classed as centre midfielder if you want. Mm. Uh, but Nathan Tell is more of an attacking player as well. So, again, you're missing one in midfield. And with Romeo out, now they only have two. Mm-hmm. And he's been out for a while, and he's done for the season. So you've only got two. Now, they have that young that young player who got sent off against you. Absolute, a, a, a titan of a man. <laughs> um, but, you know, like that's an imbalance there as well. And then they have, they've got five attackers, which is fair. And one of them's, one of them's very young. Um, but they do have five attackers for the two spots. So that's fine. But you absolutely, absolutely need to address your midfield. You need to get at least one more in there. You need to get two more fullbacks in. And that's before you even look at strengthening the team. That's just for the squad. Hmm. So don't have a number, they don't have a number one goalkeeper and Danny Ings might be off as well. So. See, that's the thing. And if Ings goes, I mean, the thing with Ings is his contract's up next summer. Mm-hmm. So you don't know if you're going to get to uh, to keep hold of him. If you do sell him, you're not going to get full value. Like, they've also got Vestergaard and Stevens out of contract 2022. Obafemi out of contract 2022. Um, Lundula out of contract 2022. McCarthy's the same. Forster's the same. Then you've got you know Minamino and Walcott in on loan. Harry Lewis is at a contract this summer, and Bertrand. Oh, I think Bert, I don't know about Bertrand actually. I'm um, sure I saw they were like, linked trading him with someone. I can't remember who the hell it was, but I'm guessing that means they might have one one more year on him. But anyway. well, he definitely hasn't signed. No, he still hasn't signed a new contract. Yeah, he could leave on a free this summer. Well, they are in a pickle because their owners... In which case, they money. need two left-backs and a right-back. And their ownership doesn't seem to want to spend a whole bunch of money. Mm. Now, last summer, I thought they did quite well in the transfer market. They obviously got Walker-Peters and about $3 million for Heusberg. Now, Heusberg is having a really good season, but Walker-Peters has done well for them. They brought in Salisu, they brought in Diallo. But as good as those two are... The young players that you're just bringing to develop for the next couple of years, they're not immediate impact players. So they have been a little bit cheap about things. They're paying the price for years of bad spending. When you look at the fact that Sophie and Buffal was allowed to leave on a free transfer this summer, they paid about 15 million for him. El Yanassi is on loan at Celtic, they paid about 15 million for him. 
Lamina's on loan at Fulham. They paid big money for him. He probably should Wesley Hoyt is on loan at Lazio. They paid big money for him. Angus Gunn cost around ten million. He's on loan at Stoke. You know, like they've just—that's a lot of big money players. Guido Carrillo was released. That was twenty million Ooh, or so. Yeah, he was awful. Like that's an awful lot of money that they wasted over the years. It seems and that that's become the a problem. That that's probably become a problem, and maybe started with Cumin, but he obviously had successes like Tadic and stuff. But post Cumin, their buy-in's been shocking. It has. It really, it really, really has. Like if we if we jump back a couple of years and take a look at so thirteen fourteen was Pochettino. So he leaves. Kuman takes over. They bring in Tadic, that's a good buy. Graziano Pelle, not a good buy. Fraser Forster, that's a good buy. Shane Long, meh. Uh, Florin Gardos doesn't work. Sadio Mane, obviously great buy. And Ryan Bertrand's been a good buy for them. Mm-hmm. So that, that summer they did really well. They also brought in Toby Alderweireld on a mm. on a loan. Um, the following season then, Ron the Red second season, they bring in Juanmi doesn't work. Cedric Soares he was a good buy. Uh, Cuco Martina not really. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Jordi Classy didn't, didn't work. Romeo's done well. Van Dyke obviously was was great. Doing all right. <laughs> um, and then Charlie Austin who was just always injured. Mm. Just always injured. That was the the biggest issue with him. The following year, then, Koeman's gone to Everton and they have um, Claude Puel in charge. Oh, I forgot he was at Southampton. <laughs> they bring in Nathan Redmond. Now, he's still there and he's done quite yeah. well. Uh, they bring in Heusberg. He he was great for them. They bring in Alex McCarthy. He's still there. He's good. But then they spend $16 million on Buffal. Never worked. And $14 million on Gabbiadini. And again, just never worked. Seems the big signings are the one that screw up the little ones, if I. A hundred percent. Because if you follow on then to the next season, uh, Bednarak comes in for five million. Good signing. Mm. Lamina, fifteen million, has not worked at all. Now he's been really good on loan for um, for Fulham, but it just never worked for him at Southampton for whatever reason. And Southampton could badly do with him at the moment. Wesley Hoyt for fifteen million, disaster. Guido Carrillo, nineteen million, it was also a disaster. So that's a that's a bad window. Like your only signing that worked was a five million pound young centre back coming from Poland. Um, sixteen million on Elianasi. Sixteen million on Vestergaard. I mean, not for me. I wouldn't have that. If Angus Gunn was free, actually thirteen and a half million Oof. from Man City. They lost Dusan Tadic that year. They did buy Stuart Armstrong for seven million. So again, it's the smallest transfer yeah. that's worked. And then last season. Um, which is Ralph's first season in charge. Che Adams comes in, but takes him a full year to get going. Danny Ings, his deal gets made permanent. He'd arrived on loan the previous summer. And um, and Musa Jenepo, who's very, very talented, but massively inconsistent. Mm. That was a bit of £60 million summer for them. That's probably a decent window, considering the other ones, I'd say. 100%. 100%. That, that's the best window they've had in quite a while. Mm. But it hasn't all worked well and it hasn't worked mm-hmm. immediately. Like when you spend $20 million on a player and you're Southampton, mm-hmm. you need that player to work straight away. Absolutely. You can't really afford to wait. 
six, eight, ten months. It's not like the way they had to with Adams and Jennifer. He's not a Che Adams is not a starter now as well, so it's not exactly working perfectly. No, he, that's the thing. He's fallen out of favour because he, he hit hit a dry spell in front of mm. goal. Um, so yeah, I mean it, they are they they've just they've bought really badly over the last six, seven years, and unfortunately their squad reflects that. It's a strange one. It's a strange one. But yeah, I think they probably need to address. It's not even the manager's fault. You need to address the higher ups there, didn't they? Because they had uh, what was their chairman called? The one who managed Charlton for like a day. Oh, um, I can't remember. People know who we're about. <laughs> yeah, but he's gone. They, they had um, the thing is right. They, they had. They had a really good run of transfers for a couple of years. And they built that good team under Pochettino. And then it all just sort of, as they Mm. sold that team and broke it up, they would do well, like we're saying, with with one signing every year. And then they'd make two or three bad ones to sort of Mm. unbalance what they're doing. Like They had Ross Wilson, who's a really good talent evaluator, but... He's now the director of football at Rangers. But some of his signings didn't work at Southampton. And and to be honest, I don't know who was making the final decisions there. Was it the manager? Mm. Like, is, is, is Matt Crocker, the current director of football, is he the one making the decisions now? Because if he is, then he's got a lot to answer for. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what who's making the football decisions there at the club in terms of recruitment, but something something needs to change. It needs to change quite quickly. Absolutely. I mean, I think we both agreed they're definitely have the manager for it as well. But how long can you hold on for Ralph if if you're not going to back him? I don't, that's probably a... that's the thing. I'm, I'm with with a couple of big jobs still open in Germany. Mm. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if his his if his head was a. Uh, well, even England will have some in the near future, you'd presume. Yeah, you'd imagine so. But anywho, uh, that might be one for the summer. Um, so you said Leicester 3-1, didn't you? Um, we can be quick on this game. Palace v Man City's B team, because they'll be focusing on the Champions League. What do you reckon? Yeah, I do think we'll see um, a weakened team from City. I don't imagine they'll... They'll risk too much. Um, they've obviously had a little bit of a downturn in form of late. Lost two league games out of their last six. Lost in the FA Cup semi-final to Chelsea. But a, a really good result in midweek, winning away to, to PSG. Um, I, I don't imagine we'll see we'll see much risk. The only player they've got out is John Stones, who's suspended. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they are at full strength and it is a deep squad. For Palace, I mean, their their form has just been so bad. In their last 10 Premier League games, they've won two, drawn three and lost five. And that is quite typical of an end-of-season run-in for the Hodge. Now, that does sort of reflect their form across the entire season. But remember, this is a team last year that lost seven of their last eight. So mm-hmm. they don't tend to end seasons well. Um, Palace, of course, all the injuries 
Uh, Gary Cahill is a doubt. MacArthur's out. Wickham's out. Ferguson is out. Sackle's likely out. And Tompkins is likely out. So it it's just a lot. It is a lot for them to have to put up with and deal with. Um, they did give City... They did give City some problems last season. But this season, they sort of rolled over for them. I, I think City will win the game. I, I, I think City will win the game, even with a with a weakened squad. I'll go and say 2-0 to City. It's weird saying a weakened squad when they're probably going to start Sterling, Jesus, and Ferran Torres up front. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. And, like, they'll probably start Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, and maybe maybe Gundogan or maybe just Rodri as mm. the midfield three. So they'll probably just start one of the normal trio with, with two good squad players. I imagine Americ Laporte will come in for Stones. Um, for Stones. We, we might see Nathan Aki. He might get a game. Two left-footed centre-backs. It's not allowed. Aki could play left-back. They, That's they could true. Stick left back. Zinchenko um, came on and played well midweek, though he might get a start. Zinchenko's a good player, but he's he's been miscast as a left back. He's not mm. he's not a left back. He's a midfield player. Um, but yeah, I do think um, I do think it'll still be a strong city squad or a strong city team, one that would likely be capable of getting you a top eight finish. Um, this season to get second. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think City will win the game comfortably enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably a, a fun game up next, Brighton v Leeds. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd used to say one that can't score and one that can't defend, but Leeds' defence has seemingly finally settled into the Premier League level. I mean, I, I haven't watched much of Diego Llorente, but when we when you signed him, I'm sure I remember you saying he was a good player. Has he had an impact on it, you think? Yeah, massively. Les Reed is the name of that guy. That's the one that I couldn't think of. Um, yeah, Diego Lorientes had a massive impact since he's since he's returned from all the injuries um, and come back into the team. Their defense has improved hugely over the past um, six games. They're now six unbeaten, which is their best run of the season by a substantial margin. Their previous longest was three, uh, which they'd only managed once. Um, and they've only conceded four goals in those six games. So for a team that had conceded 46 goals in the previous 44 games, um, it, it does tell you how, how well they've done defensively. Um, it's unfortunate that we haven't been able to see him and Robin Cock play together a bunch, but I, I do think that will that will come. Streak is playing really well at the moment. And I think Liam Cooper, when he returns from his red card, is probably going to find himself as the third or fourth centre-back. Rodrigo looks like he's back for this one. Helder Costa looks like he's back for this one. Uh, Rafinha is is a doubt, um, unlikely to make it. And Adam Forshaw's had a. I think Bielsa a, said for Rafinha's a no no. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a that's a blow, obviously, because he's their best player, the most creative player. Um, Adam Forshaw unfortunately picked up a a little injury in his return from. From injury, he's been out for so long with that that hip issue. So, the sooner he's back, the better. Um, for Brighton, I mean, Ben White is back, Percy Tau is back, 
Lalana's a doubt that there's a surprise. Um, Florian and Doni is is probably out. He's still coming back from his knee injury. And then you've got Solly March and Lamptey both ruled out. This this is an interesting one because you've got two managers that are both quite highly rated. Mm. Bielsa's obviously adored. Mm -hmm. But they've got very different ways of managing and their styles are very different. So it should be a really good contrast, which could lead to a good game. Brighton will want to dominate the ball. Leeds are probably quite happy for them to have the ball. Mm -hmm. And then Leeds will try and sort of outrun them and outwork them and overload an attack. Brighton Brighton are where they are because of their attack. They would be easily mid-table if they had even an average attack. But because Graham Potter likes to start games with nine men and do mad stuff, um, playing empty shirts all over, they they find themselves still in a relegation mm. scrap. They are seven points clear of, of Fulham. So a win here, if Fulham lose, would see them safe. Mm. And I do think this is a winnable game for them. Mm-hmm. Now, they come into it in iffy form. They've obviously lost two and drawn two of their last four. They won two in a row before that. I think this is a game that they'll target to win. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a tight game. Without Rafinha, Leeds, Leeds have creative players, but not that kind of game-breaker like him. I'm going to say Brighton win 2-1. That's interesting. I always back Brighton on this and to do with show, but I just, I just don't think I can on this one. Uh, you mentioned the empty shirts on, on Brighton there, and I'm sure you mean Lalana and Welbeck. But can I add more pie to that? It's that bloke. Like, he scored 20-odd goals in the championship in his last season. What, what the hell's happened to him? I He's not a number nine, is the issue. Neil Mopé, if you want to get the best out of him, you play him as an inside forward. Mm. That's where he's best. If you put him what, like to the right or left on a, in a front three... That's where you'll get the best of Neil Mopé. Now, I will say that one season with Brentford, where he scored 25 in the league, 28 in all competitions, that is a complete outlier in his career. Other than that, he's never scored more than 13. So that was a bit of a fluke. Now, he has got eight goals this season. He had 10 last season. So he's on target to you know to, to match what he did last year. Um. They were in Chris Hewton teams, or they didn't do attacking. <laughs> no, Graham Potter was there last year as well. Ah, I forgot about that. Um, he he's a good player, is Mopey. He's just not a number nine, and you can't rely on him to get you number nine levels of goals. You want him as your second striker. If they had a proper number nine, if they bought Woot Weghorst when I told them to, and played Mopey alongside him. I think Mopey'd have fifteen goals by now. Mm. And Weghorst will have about the same. Because Mopé, when not being asked to lead the line, does a lot of good work and gets himself in good positions. One of the problems he has now is that by the time he takes a shot, he's knackered having had to do everything himself to get there. Because they're playing with the likes of Adam Lalana in midfield, who offer very little. They're playing with Danny Welbeck up front, who game to game offer very little. And Mopé's been asked to do an awful lot. Same reason Eve Basima looks absolutely shattered in midfield because he's having to do two people's work. Yeah. Brighton need to stop playing players that aren't Premier League standard anymore. Mm. They just need to stop. That's why they're in the position they are. 
The, the thing with with Lallana, especially for me, I mean, he obviously played central midfield later in his Liverpool career, but he's still a number 10. And playing him in a two-man midfield, it, it, I, I just don't get it. Like, if you're going to use him, at least make him a 10, where he doesn't have to do much off the ball. Well, he does off the ball stuff, but he can just be creative and do his Cruyff turns 20 times a game in higher-up positions. The problem with Adam Lalana is he is a willing runner. He will run all day, but his body won't allow him to do it because he's had so many injuries over the past five years that his body just fails him regularly. He's never been a centre midfielder. He obviously played in a three for Liverpool mm. and he had three good months. And his entire Liverpool career was those three good months at the start of the 16-17 season. Other than that, he was never a good player for Liverpool. He had a decent, a half-decent run in the Europa League in his first season, and that was it. But other than that, he has been an empty shirt for Liverpool. Played mostly on the wing as well. And yeah, and like that's the thing. He is he's a number ten or a winger. He's not a midfielder. Klopp got a couple of good months out of him, and then he broke down. And then when he came back, he was awful. And then he just kept breaking down and being awful the rest of the way through his time at Liverpool. But he clung around, he hung around and clung on and, and got some medals on the back of other players doing the work and moved on to Brighton. And Brighton should have been using him in a more advanced role. Like, you've got Alexis McAllister and you've got him. So there's your number 10s. Hmm. McAllister should be starting. Lalana should be his backup. Lalana can play in certain games. In certain games, you can play the both of them and one striker. But they should have bought that striker because then you'd have, say... You'd have a good number nine, and Welbeck could be an okay backup who you can bring in late in games or in games against the bigger teams where you don't fancy your chances and you maybe just want to press them a lot. You'd have Mope and Trossard for that other role, and Connolly can play either, so you could have him. So that's five. That's fine. McAllister and Lalana as your tens. You've got Davy Proper, who should have been starting all season. And Basuma in midfield. Young Motor looks a real player, the, the Polish kid. Uh, they're using him as a wing-back, which is bizarre. Mm. Uh, and Pascal Gross can also play in centre midfield. So there's your four centre midfielders. And the other Polish kid as well. And yeah, Karbonik then as one of your left wing-backs. Solly March is the other. I would have preferred if they brought in Ryan Sessnion on loan. But they needed a backup right wing-back as well because they've got Lamptey and nobody else. They've got loads of centre-backs, like Dan Byrne, Veltman, the three who start. That's a fine centre-back group. But a lack of a right wing-back, a lack of a better left wing-back. Now, Carbonic wasn't there to start the year, neither was Mopay. So they just left themselves short. Now, my assumption is it was because they weren't willing to spend in the pandemic. They already have a massive debt on the club, but it is mostly to the owner. And in all likelihood, he will waive that debt at some point. Um, so, so financially, they're they're generally fine, but they likely didn't just want to overextend. But I mean, they went hard after Darwin Nunes, so there clearly was a willingness to spend on a striker. So I don't know how you you go from you know potentially spending twenty five million on Darwin Nunes to bringing mm-hmm. in Danny Welbeck off the scrap heap. Yeah, I mean, if I don't know, we're spending a long time on this game, but we're only half an hour, isn't it, through some? Um, but yeah, I mean, if it doesn't work out, just go back to Brentford and. By Ivan Tony, if they don't get promoted, it seems to be the obvious choice, doesn't it? Or Adam Armstrong or something. 
I, I would go Ivan Tony. Mm. I think Ivan Tony in that Brighton team would be absolutely fantastic. Good link player, really good hold up player, um, scores goals for fun, obviously. But like we saw Emmy Buendia voted Championship Player of the Year. I think Ivan Tony has been shorted on that. I think he <laughs> got five goals in the championship. Yeah, I think I, I think <laughs> Ivan Tony was was well deserving of that award. I think he has been the best player. He's certainly the best player I've seen in the championship this season. Now, admittedly, I haven't watched nearly as much as, as a lot of people, but when you've got 29 goals and 10 assists in the league, you're going to be hard pushed to find. Now, admittedly, Buendia 14 and 16 is great, but 29 and 10, that is sensational. In your first season of the championship, having come up from, from League One, um, he got 26 the year before for. Oh, yeah, I thought, for I thought he was there last year. Christ, yeah. 23 the year before that for Peter Like, this is not a fluke. This is this is what Ivan Tony is. Um, now, I don't know that he'll come to the Premier League and bang in 25 goals, but I don't know that he'd need to. Mm. If he got 15 to 18 goals and 5 to 8 assists, I think that would be absolutely value for money. But Brentford will want massive money for him. Mm-hmm. When you look at what they got for Watkins, I think they'll want more for Tony. Would that mean, like, could you go for someone like Tammy Abraham then? Tammy's going to be forty million, and I think Tammy ends up at Villa. Mm. I do think Tammy ends up at at Villa. Um, like, it depends how ambitious Brighton want to be. Because if they want to be ambitious, they could go for someone like a Maxi Gomez at Valencia. Hasn't had a great time there, but he is that goal scorer hold up type of guy. Weghorst could still be an option for them. Cheaper, I mean, probably though. Yeah, like the the problem with Tony is just there will be a premium on him because Brentford will will want a high fee. Brentford paid uh they paid five million going to ten. I would imagine <laughs> probably hit all the qualifiers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, bar maybe promotion. But they'll sell him on and they'll make a fortune. They will absolutely make a fortune. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if they literally buy one player and it's a striker, they will improve massively, unless it's like Divock or Rigi. Um, yeah, he'd probably do better. But anywho, uh, you said uh, Brighton 2-1 there. Um, London Derby next, Chelsea v Fulham. I think similar question with Chelsea that we said about Man City. I don't think their B team's as strong as Man City's, is that? And they obviously have more to play for than Man City. They'll have to play a bit stronger team, you'd reckon? Yeah, I think so. And the the thing for them is their their tie is not as as swung in their favor as um as cities. Like they they have a draw. They don't have a lead yeah. in their tie. So I think they've got a bit more pressure against Real than City do against PSG. Um they're still like they they need to go with a strong team in this one because they're not sure of top four. They're three points clear of West Ham, four clear of Liverpool. If they if they win this game and Liverpool lose, that'll probably knock Liverpool out of the mix. There'll be seven points in the gap there. Um, but Fulham are bad. Like Fulham are flat out bad under Scotty Twocoats, and you would expect that even with a couple of players rested. Chelsea would have enough to to overcome them. Kovacic is out, so they don't really have many options to rotate in midfield. 
I assume Reese James will start. Alonso probably starts. Giroud or Tammy Abraham might start. Havertz might start. Zayic might start. He has options to rotate at centre-back, like Zuma could come in. Maybe you play Christensen in the middle role instead of Silva. You could move Aspilicueta into the into the back three yeah. as well if you really want to. You could play Kepa, who's done well in the Cups for them. So he, he could rotate. Like you said, their backup 11 wouldn't be as strong as City's, but still very strong and should still be enough to overcome the worst manager in the league. Now, Congolo, Roddick, and Kearney are all ruled out. Kenny Tete has COVID, but he could be back. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this one because mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the posh London derby, and it should be a, <laughs> it should be a procession for Chelsea. I think Chelsea win 2-0. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Everton Villa up next. I think these two play each other like very short in between because they had a, a game abandoned for COVID ages ago, didn't they? So we'll be talking about this one twice. Um, Everton's home record, We I think we mentioned it last week. I'm sure I looked at the home table yesterday with Tadewa and they were 15th in the home table, which is mm. god-awful. Um, but Villa, Jack Grealish, week to week, we have no idea when he's back. Trezeguet is now out for, I think Dean Smith said, his injury usually takes nine months to heal. So that'll be El Ghazi Watkins plus another. Um it's a, this'll I think this will be a strange game. Yeah, I'd I'd imagine it'll be El Ghazi Watkins and Bertrand Traore oh, yeah, as a front three. I forgot he existed. <laughs> yeah. Um Morgan Sanson is ruled out, Grealish is out, Maddie Cash is back from suspension. But like you said, Trezeguet, torn ACL, he is he is done for quite a while. Um, for the Ev, they have Gabama now probably till probably till next season. Um Michael Keane is out and Ducure is still out. So Ducure is the big loss there. Michael Keane, they they should be fine without him. They have they have three centre backs who are better than them. Um he has had a decent season, but he was he's been shocking of late. He was Everton have not looked good in quite a while. They did win last time out away to Arsenal. I think one of the few I predicted correctly last weekend. There were five without a win before that. Um, two defeats and three draws. They haven't been particularly good since the turn of the year. Uh, they only won six games out of the last 16, which isn't ideal for a team that had Champions League, Champions League ambitions. Six defeats and five... Sorry, last 17 games they've won six. Six defeats, five draws, and those six wins. So, a very much a mixed bag. Home form poor, like you said, 15th in the home table. Five wins, four draws, and seven defeats. Much better away from home. Much better defensively away from home as well. 22 goals scored at home and away. 25 conceded at home, only 15 conceded away. So, that's where the difference is. They're defending better on the road. Villa... Villa are hit and miss. I mean, they've been dreadful since the turn of the year. They've got five wins and four draws from the turn of the year um, against nine losses. So not particularly promising. But again, their away form has been decent 
seven wins, three draws, six defeats, as opposed to six wins, three draws, seven defeats at home. So they're better on the way, on, away from home as well. For that reason, and I said the other day, I think they'll split these games. I think Villa will win this one, and I think Everton will beat them at Villa Park. Hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about both teams that they're just better away from home. The lack of fans, obviously not an issue for them away from home because they wouldn't have many there anyway. I think they're both missing their home crowds. I'm going to say Villa win a good game of football. 3-2. Yep. And with that, we will take a quick ad break and we'll be back with the next five games. Right, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your ads from Acast. Um, do listen to the podcast that they tell you to listen to. Some of them are quite good. Um, right, we have five more games then, Guy. Three Sunday, two Monday. So let's jump in. Yeah, next up is Newcastle v Arsenal. You mentioned the Europa League tie uh, at the start of the show. And Arsenal have nothing to play for in the league other than finishing top half. But hey-ho, who cares? Um, and Newcastle, I mean, they're safe now, aren't they? Let's have a looky. They're points. basically, yeah, yeah they're pretty much, well, that's exactly it. As long as they, as long as they match Fulham this weekend, they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and Fulham have a much tougher game than them. But yeah, a point here will keep Newcastle safe and render that, that final game completely pointless. Newcastle also have Sheffield United in the second last game. So they do have that little sort of safety net as well. Um, and Toon are in, I mean, they're in, Decent form. Mm. Uh, just a one defeat from their last eight games. Five draws, two wins, beat Burnley away, beat West Ham at home, got walloped by Liverpool, but managed to get a draw because Liverpool just could not take their chances. Liverpool drew that game. <laughs> Newcastle didn't. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Um, but Arsenal, I mean, they have nothing to play for here, like you said. All eggs now in the Europa League basket. They've only won four of their last 12 games. I mean, I'll that ask you this. That is fairly Dave. shocking. If they lose to Villarreal on Thursday again, obviously... I'll, I would I'll just frog go... march Arteta out the door yeah, on Friday I was, that's what I was and say goodbye to him. I genuinely would. Um, because I mean, in all likelihood, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to finish any higher than ninth. Hmm. Right, they're one point behind Leeds. They're a point ahead of Villa, but Villa have a game in hand. That's that mm-hmm. other Everton game. Um, I think they have to rest players here. Absolutely, I think they have to focus in on Villarreal. They don't have the depth to really do it. Like they don't have lots of. You're going to see Willian play. We'll probably see David Louise back. Yeah, so Kieran Tierney is back in training. And Lacazette is is a doubt. Um, everyone else is fit, but you're gonna see. I would guess Louise. Now he might bring in Gabriel, who should have been playing all along. Uh, but you're still gonna have Jack at left back because they don't have an alternative, and he is awful there. You'll have probably Cedric at right back. Mm. Um, El Nenny, and I, I guess Ceballos will play in midfield because yeah. he'd be spent <laughs> yeah. the second leg. You then won't you'll see have, the youngsters there. No, you'll have Willian. Martinelli, maybe. Martinelli. Aubameyang probably plays. Odegaard. And Odegaard is yeah. fit again, so I'd say he'll play. 
But then, do you really want to risk him with the with the Europa League, and he's just back from an injury? I don't know. I I don't expect a strong Arsenal team. I expect mm. Newcastle to have more than enough to cope with them. Now, Newcastle have a lot of players out. Joe Willock can't play. That's a big blow yeah. because he's obviously scored in the last two games. Lachelles is ruled out. Shar could be back. Matt Ritchie could be uh, should should be fit. But Fraser's out. Darlow's out, and Hayden's out. But they just at the moment seem to have a bit of belief about them. And I think they'll know that a point here, a point here likely keeps them safe. Because you don't expect Fulham to get much against Chelsea. And that game will have already taken place. So they'll know if Fulham have, have lost. And Brighton as well. That's it. A point will probably be enough to keep them. That'll be 10 points. You'd then be relying on Fulham. You'd, you'd then... Fulham would have to win every game the rest of the way to overcome them. So, yeah, I, I think Newcastle get a point here. I'll go 1-1. I think it'll be a fairly dour game of football. But like you said, if if Arsenal lose in the week to Villarreal, I think it has to be goodbye, Mr. Arteta. I don't think you can try, you can try this anymore. It hasn't worked. He's out of his depth. Mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing for Arsenal to be finishing where they're finishing in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, regardless of even if they win the Europa League, finishing tenth with Arsenal, and this is a team they were awful last year. But Unai Emery nearly got them top four. Wenger nearly got them top four a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. Like they're not that far removed. With worse teams, yeah, yeah. they Wenger and and Emery did better than Arteta is doing with this team. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of talent at Arsenal, Mm -hmm. an absolute ton of talent at Arsenal. It's not like and he wasn't Arteta back. Is not getting the best out of them. Like I know they wanted Awar and stuff like that, but they've still got Thomas Partey, uh, Gabriel. Uh, who else is the buy? Will no, William's not a good example. Not <laughs> um, an Odegaard on loan. Yeah. he's a very good player. Like they brought in Pablo Mari. He's a solid yeah. centre back, a squad player, but a solid centre back. Cedric Cedric Soares is is solid as a backup right back. Runner Alex Runnison was as bad a buy as anyone will make all season. But Partey, Gabriel, that's... Like, look, if you can find two players that improve your first 11 in a transfer window, that's a good That's a good transfer window. Mm. If you find two players that... Like, unless you buy 10 for 50 million a pop and only two work out, if you spend what they spent, which was somewhere in the region of about... 80 million. Most of it went on Partey and Gabriel. Both of them have proven to be good signings. It's just that, for whatever reason, Arteta doesn't seem all that keen on Gabriel. In the same way he doesn't seem all that keen on William Saliba. Like, the way he's used this squad alone would be reason to get rid of him. Well, that's the thing. They've bought all these young players, and he only started, well, he's trusted Saka because Saka was starting under Emery anyway. Well, it took a half a season to trust Smith Rowe. He doesn't trust Saliba. He binned off Gwen Doozy, who was apparently a bit of a what's a piece yeah, but he's still a very very talented player. Yeah, you can and work is, is he more is he more of a twat than Granite Jacker? Probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you look, let's look at their squad for a second, right? They don't have. I don't think Leno's a starting caliber goalkeeper for a team with Champions League ambitions. But you know who is Emmy Martinez. Yeah, you know who okayed the sale of Emmy Martinez, Arteta. Mikel Arteta, right? So there's the goalkeeper situation could have been sorted in house. 
They do need a right back. Bellerin is is average. Cedric is solid backup. But you could sell Bellerin, and for the money you get from him, you could get a solid right back. You've got Kieran Tierney left back. You need a backup. But that's something you can find fairly cheap. Eight to ten million will sort that position for you. Centre back, right? They got Gabriel. They got Mary. They got both of them last summer, and that is fine. That's left centre back sorted. They they have bad options at right centre back. Louise is not very good. Um, Holdings a squad player at best. But even if and Callum make... Chambers never really developed as a centre back at all because he played too much at right back. But Saliba's on loan mm. and Mavroponos is on loan. Both right side centre backs, both better than what they have at the moment. But he sent them out on loan because he didn't want them. Is he doing well? Is it Stuttgart? Is that Stuttgart doing really well. Yeah. Doing really well for them. In midfield, you've got Thomas Partey. You need a partner for him. Well, Guendouzi would be an ideal partner for him. Torreira would be a good partner for him. You also need a backup for him. Oh, well, Ainsley Maitland-Niles could play that role for you. So you've got three of the midfielders who could be in your four-man rotation out on loan. You've also got Joe Willock out on loan, who could be the fifth centre midfielder mm. and also figure as a 10 in certain games. He's on loan. So there's four players just in midfield who are on loan that would improve Arsenal, that are better than Ceballos and Xhaka. El Nani's fine, but I mean, he was out the door last year, so why is he back in the picture now? Behind the the, the front three, they're loaded. They've got Xhaka, oh sorry, they've got Saka, they've got Pepe, they've got Aubameyang, they've got Martinelli. So there's starter backup, starter backup. You've got Smith Rowe, you have Odegaard in on loan. So there's the two number 10s. So that that's sorted. You don't need to do anything there. And then up front, you've got Lacazette and Ketia Balogun. You, you don't need another striker. You're, you're fine up front. So you, your front four are sorted. You don't need to touch that. You didn't need to bring in Willian, but you insisted, so whatever. But he's the seventh guy for the six spots, starters and backups behind the front, the front man. That's all sorted. You can sort your midfield just by bringing back the players you have out on loan. Sell Xhaka, send Ceballos back, sell El Elneny, and bring back the four lads you have on loan. Willock, Maitland-Niles, Guendouzi, and Torreira. You don't need to do anything else. If you can't find the right midfield pairing out of those two, go find a different job. Same thing at right centre-back. You're sorted. You need a right back, starting right back, a backup left back, and I think you need a starting goalkeeper. And that's that's really all Arsenal need to do this summer. If they if they want to keep Lacazette, now I would sell Lacazette personally because I think at his age you don't want to give him a new contract. Yeah, it's expiring as well, isn't it? Yeah, and you end up with you, you know you've already got the the Aubameyang contract, you've got the Willian contract, you've just gotten out from underneath the Ozil contract. So I would sell him and look to bring in a nine. Mm. But aside from like. You'll you'll make good money selling Bellerin. I would sell Leno. I would sell Jacka. Jacka. I think you'll get decent money for him. I would sell Callum Chambers. Mm-hmm. I would sell Lacazette. And I keep Reese Nelson because I do like him. But I, I would try and find a way to get rid of William. Whatever I had to do, I just get rid of them. But like they have 
They have seven players currently out on loan, and six of them could do a real like seven senior players currently out on loan, and six of them could do a real job for this team. That's ridiculous. Mm. That is ridiculous to have six players out who are better than the the six players you're currently using instead. That is so stupid. Starting right back, back up left back, starting goalkeeper. Figure out what you want to do with Lacazette. If they keep him fine, Lacazette's a really good player. Even if you sell him, you don't necessarily need to buy another one because you can just move Aubameyang there. You could start Pepe on the left wing or Martinelli on the left wing. Or if you're keeping Odegaard. Now, I don't think they'll keep Odegaard. But even if he leaves, that's not a huge blow because they still have Willock yeah. and, and Saka could play there and Willian can play there if you keep him. Like, they don't need to do a whole lot. They just need to use what they have. I genuinely think that with a, a really good right back, a backup left back, and a good high-end goalkeeper, I think there's easily a top six team in this Arsenal squad if they just use what they have. But Arteta is just... Do you he were seemed, a fan of him earlier. I was, season. but the problem... I, I really thought we were going to see him come in because he'd obviously been schooled under Pep. Mm. And I thought that's what he would come in with, was a similar style of football, a similar openness to change, changing things and being inventive and creative. And we heard all these stories about how obsessive he was and and all this kind of stuff. And he, he just does the same thing game after game until it gets to a point. Like, remember, the only reason he changed to four two three one against Chelsea was because they were going to sack him. Mm. And he got desperate. And he brought in Smith Rowe. And the team took off for a few weeks. Now it's not working again. And yet, he won't change it. We've seen managers in the past. I mean, Brendan's obviously done... He's doing really well at Leicester now. But his time at Liverpool, which has obviously imploded towards the end, he, he found a formation that worked for a little bit, stuck with it until it got found out. Then still stuck with it till it was overly found out. And then just wait for the next implosion. Like that's exactly the thing, and, and that's that is in large part who Arteta reminds me of. I do think in a few years we could see Arteta as a good manager, just not at Arsenal. Liverpool was too big a job for Rodgers at the time. I think now, having been at Celtic and what he's done at Leicester, Brendan could walk into a big six job hmm. and and do a lot better. His his he had eighteen good months at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. All of them because of Luis Suarez. All of them because of Luis Suarez. January 13 till the end of 13 14. 13 14, yeah. yeah. It's the second half of, of the 12 13 season, all of 13 14. The first half of 12 13 was a disaster, and he was on the brink of getting sacked then. And then his, his last season, that 14 15 season, was a joke, and the end of the season was a disgrace. Yeah. Started really badly in 15 16 as well, got sacked, and obviously. Klopp mm. took over. If, if but that was... job was too early for yeah. Brendan. It was too big a jump from Swansea to Liverpool. But Liverpool mm. were kind of stuck at the time. And with, with Arteta, I mean, it's just too big a job. It is one of the three biggest jobs in England. Mm. It's one of the ten biggest jobs in world football. And it's even harder when you take over and the club is on the slide. Arsenal have been in decline for quite a while. They were in decline under Wenger. Emery couldn't quite rectify it. And got himself sacked. And Arteta's going the same way. It is strange. Like, 
obviously yeah, Emery, I don't think Emery's the, he's probably not even the Champions League quality manager we mentioned as Europa League. But to go from someone like Wenger to Emery kind of made sense. But then go from that to what we've now deemed a PE teacher just seems a bit, a bit weird. Well, remember, Emery had won three Europa Leagues in a row with Sevilla. And then he'd gone on and won all the leagues. So, like, he'd been at a huge club. Mm. And he'd had success at multiple clubs. Like, Emery had a really good CV. Emery... Carl Matchett doesn't like Emery. I, I'm more of a fan than Carl, but I, I do see the massive flaws. Mm. He's hopeless away from home. But you look at his career, like he did he did well with Almeria, he did well with Valencia, Spartak Moscow didn't go well, did great with Sevilla, um, three Europa Leagues and got them into the top four. I mean, PSG, he won one league title out of two, lost the other one to that Monaco team with Mbappe, etc. Mm-hmm. But he did well there. Goes to Arsenal. Still wins 55% of his games. It's worth pointing out. So it's not like it was a complete disaster. Only 19 defeats in 78 games. Most of them probably good... came in his second season. <laughs> where That's he was the thing, you know? So, but not a complete disaster. Mm. And then... Um, he's doing well at Villarreal now. Now they're you know, they're okay in the league, but they are in the semi-finals of the the Europa League. And they have um, been rebuilding since was it Marcel Marcelino left a few years ago? Was it? They've been rebuilding since then. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Now look, right. Arsenal had seventy-eight games under Emery. They've had eighty games under Arteta. Emery won three games more despite playing two less. Arteta has lost four more. Mm. So it is quite clearly a downgrade. And like he, he got a little bit of a bump last season when he took over and they did okay for a few months. And he was helped by the fact that football was, you know, had shut down and he had that kind of big window to get to know the players and over Zoom or whatever it was. But like this season has just been a shambles for Arsenal. Mm. An absolute shambles for Arsenal. Um, like you mentioned Emery last season. So he, he got sacked when? The 19th or 29th of November. One, two, three. He lost three league games, but draws were their problem. They just kept drawing with everybody. He was sacked after the Eintracht Frankfurt game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just think Arteta needs to. I, I think he needs to heave hole, If I'm honest, yeah, I think I'm with you. So. I'm with you. Absolutely. Um, so, what was your prediction for this one? I think you gave me um, a favourite, didn't you? I'll go one-one. I'll go one-one. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of one-ones, it's Man United v Liverpool next. No, this is a nil-nil. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a fairly desperate game of football. I think. I, I, I genuinely. United don't have anything to play for here, really. They're, they are going to finish second in the league. They're, they are basically true against Roma, so mm-hmm. they don't really need to worry about that. So they'll probably go a bit stronger than they'd initial, initially planned. Um, but we know what Ollie does in these games. Parks the bus, waits for an opportunity to counter. 
Now, Liverpool will likely give them opportunities to counter. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot depends on what, what system Liverpool play. I, I think we all expect 4-3-3 again. And Klopp's uh, obviously starting James Milner, Ginny Wijnaldum and Curtis Jones as the midfield three for some reason. I, I think he's going to start Fabinho in midfield uh, with Milner and with, with, with Ginny. I think Thiago will be on the bench because, uh, I don't know. Yeah, reasons. You can't have two good games in a week. It'll just... That's the thing. You can't let... You'd be confused why his midfield's play playing well. well. <laughs> um, United, no real injury issues. Phil Jones been out all year. Martial is the one that they're, you know, they're without, but they have Cavani, so they're fine. No Henderson. Still no word on if and when he's coming back. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any time soon. I, I would be surprised if we see him again this season. Nat Phillips could be back, but Matip Gomez and Van Dijk obviously ruled out. Uh, Cuevin Kelleher has a, an abdominal injury, and Divock Rigi has some kind of mysterious muscle injury and has been out for weeks now. Um, I, I, Liverpool's, you know, they're unbeaten in five, but it should have been five wins in a row. They've thrown away the last two. Leeds did deserve their draw, but Liverpool should have had that game put to bed at half time. United are unbeaten since the end of January in the league. Um they have improved their home form, which was a big issue for them in the first half of the season. I think I think nil nil. I genuinely do. United drew nil nil at home with Chelsea, nil nil at home with City, uh nil nil away with Liverpool, nil nil away with Arsenal, nil nil away with Chelsea. I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nil nil. Yeah, I just I don't think there's any argument for Liverpool winning this game. Like no, neither do I. It just isn't the way we've. we've it's either it's either nil nil or it's one nil to United. Yeah, I don't, or, or like a two one to United. Rashford I don't. I don't the game. Yeah, I just can't. I can't. Um, but that's the shortest anyone's ever spent on that game. But I cannot be bothered talking about Liverpool. <laughs> um. And neither can anyone talk about this next game, which is Spurs Sheffield United, which is pointless. So. I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Spurs. This season obviously has not gone the way they had hoped or planned. Um, they beat Southampton last time out in the first game under Ryan Mason. They lost to Man City in the cup final last weekend. They currently sit seventh in the table. They are in the Conference League playoff round spot. Um, Beautiful. So they will want to jump at least one spot up and get um, get Europa League football, you'd imagine. Um, Sheffield United are already down. They did win last time out. They beat Brighton. Uh, they have won five games since the 12th of January. Um, I don't see them winning two in a row. I certainly don't see them going to uh, to the Tottenham Stadium and winning. Tottenham will be without Matt Doherty and Ben Davies. Sheffield United have loads of players still injured. Sander Berger, Ollie McBurney, Jack Robinson, Jack O'Connell, Billy Sharp and Bash, Chris Basham. I, I think Tottenham win the game. I, I think Tottenham win the game 3-0. I think Kane will get a couple. I think Son will score. I think they'll win it comfortably. Um. Sheffield United are very much on the march to matching the record for the most defeats in a the season. They need five, I say they need three more defeats to match the record. 
Um, I think they'll get one of them here and probably one of them against Everton, so they'll only need to find one more. Yeah, I don't think that'll be a fun game of football anyway. I mean, Mason... <laughs> I don't know how Endombley didn't get on in the cup final. <laughs> just didn't understand. didn't understand the team selection in the cup final yeah. at all. Why was Harry Winks starting? He's barely played in months. But even if you are starting Winks, the fact that the midfield just literally couldn't get out, and you've probably got the best midfielder in the league in keeping the ball and dribbling past people. It made no yeah, sense. As a progressive carrier of the ball, does I don't think there's anyone better in the league right now than Endombele. And they just they didn't play him. Um, <laughs> played Lacelso and and Winks and was very passive and slow footed and subbed on Musa Sissoko to fix that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah brought on the fella who either. Who he, he's he, Moose Soko's the weirdest player in the league. He's either an eight out of ten or he's a one out of ten. Never ending in between. I appreciate that. I appreciate players like that. They're all heroes, especially Alberto Moreno. Um, we'll move on to Monday, and I'm thinking, and this is going to sound weird, a fun-looking Monday, because I don't think any of these teams can defend. <laughs> um, so first up, we got West Brom v Wolves in in the Midlands derby. Um, West Brom's attack looked a lot better, and Wolves can't defend or attack. So, I'm favouring West Brom for another game of football, which I don't feel. It feels weird saying. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Wolves would have won this game comfortably. But now, I mean, Johnny Otto's out. Neto's out. That's a huge blow. Mm. Moutinho's a doubt. Jimenez is still out. Um... Mark Hall is out. Like, that's that's a lot. West Brom are only missing Snodgrass and um, Ivanovic, neither of whom, uh, you know, neither of whom can really play anymore. Um, West Brom have won two and drawn one of their last five. So, for them, that's, that's good form this season. I think they've got the best individual player available in terms of attackers in... Uh, Pereira, I think he's That's better than any, any Wolves attacker right now. He's actually having quietly a very good season mm-hmm. in a bad team. Um, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna pick West Brom to win this game and do the double over over Wolves. Wolves were awful last weekend against Burnley, absolutely shocking, and I think that will have given Big Sam a blueprint on what to do. I think we might even see Big Sam play with two strikers in this game, mm. having seen what um, what Burnley were able to do with two strikers mm. against this Wolves team. I'm going to say West Brom win 2-0. Mm. Don't want to overcommit. Don't want to overcommit. West Brom's defence is still, still awful, so yeah, I'll say 2-1. That's true. But yeah, I think Pereira, he's kind of played as almost a second striker and he's got really mm. good there. Um, Burnley v West Ham and Burnley coming off the back of a 4-0 victory <laughs> against the West Ham team who are obviously suffering hugely from injuries and so many key players, especially Declan Rice um, and Antonio, obviously. But Burnley are in good goal-scoring form, which feels weird to say. Yeah, um, it is It is a bit bizarre. Burnley have scored nine goals. Sorry, they've scored 11 goals in the last five games, um, which is, is a lot for Burnley. When you consider they only scored 19 in the previous 
26, 27. And they've now got 11 in the last five or six. So I, I think Burnley have looked... I mean, they should have beaten Southampton. They should have beaten Newcastle. They gave United a fairly tough game. They did beat Everton. They drew with Leicester. They drew with Arsenal. They walloped Wolves. Burnley are in decent form for themselves. Like I said, they've they've thrown away two wins recently that should have made them safe. But Dyche will will obviously keep them up. Um, They're nine points clear of Fulham. They do still need a couple more points, but I think this could be a game where they get points. Antonio's out, Masawak is out, Rice is out, Cresswell is out. Now Dawson is back, and Balbuena's red card was overturned. So West Ham will at least be at full strength in defence. Oh, well, no, because Cresswell's out, so they won't. They may not have a left a left back at all. Um... What's Burnley's injury situation? They have Robbie Brady and Kevin Long. Brady's a, a loss. Long is their third or fourth centre-back. This is the best Burnley have had all season in terms of injuries. Um, West Ham's form has been wobbly of late. They lost to City. They beat Wolves. They lost to United. They drew 3-3 with Arsenal. Um, they threw away a three-goal lead. They beat Wolves, but again, they almost threw that one away. They beat Leicester and again, almost threw that one away. Then they lost to Newcastle. Then they lost to Chelsea. I'm going to say a draw. Yeah, I'm going to go draw. West Ham beat Burnley 1-0 earlier in the season at the London Stadium. But this one, to me, I think a draw. I'm going to say 1-1. Yeah, I'll go one-one. I just to finish the show. I, I think I went free all through on today's show. Yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, no, see, Burnley have probably they've probably hit their goal quota now for that's true for the in season. One, so they won't want to do too much more. Um, just in case anyone comes and steals Chris Wood off them. Mm. Um, so that's it. That is the ten games we're going. Leicester win. City win. Brighton win, Chelsea win, Villa win, Newcastle Arsenal to draw, Liverpool United to draw, Spurs win, West Brom win, and Burnley and West Ham to draw. So three draws. Um, we'll see. It should be a good weekend. There's there's good games. I think Brighton Leicester is one of the standout ties. Fulham Chelsea should be interesting just from the the derby point of view. Um. I think West Brom Wolves will be a, an interesting game, largely because neither team can defend. United Liverpool is—I mean, it's the biggest game in English football. But I just think, I just think it, it reeks of nil-nil. Now I do look forward to hearing Gary Neville, you know, disparage both teams. Um, oh, no, he won't because it's United and he's back in love with them again. Even though he wanted them to get relegated and thrown out of all the competitions. He's back in love with them again because his job is safe at Sky. Um, Remember, folks, you are fighting for status quo. That is it. That is the show. No show Monday because it is a bank holiday. So we will be back Tuesday. Enjoy your long weekend. Don't do anything too foolish. Take care of yourselves. Thank you, Guy. Bye-bye. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.